Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. When children love learning, they can tackle any challenge life throws at them. Sylvan's insight assessment can help you determine if your child is ready for what's ahead. It can also identify gaps in learning and point out areas that could be of concern for your child so they can tackle what's to come. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. And welcome to episode 286 of the Talking Chop Podcast. I am your host, Brad Rowland. It is Sunday evening, May the 2nd, and I am joined as often by Eric Cole. Hello, sir. Sir, it is very soon to be minor league baseball season, and I am here to talk about major league baseball, so it's a good day. How are you? Yeah, I mean, better than the Braves. Uh, we'll talk yeah. about we'll talk yeah. about the Braves, obviously, on this podcast throughout. Yeah. Yeah, it's been a, yeah. uh, it was a positive start to the week. Uh, they won three games in a row, and then they lost the last four. Um, we'll get into all of that stuff. Uh, I want to ask you at the top, though, uh, where your meter is on the panic meter, because this is almost about an every week segment right now, because somehow, even when the Braves win games during the week, they find a way to like go up in flames on the weekend. So we record a podcast, and it's always like kind of negative right now, which I feel bad about. But uh, where is your panic level at 12 and 16 and losing four in a row here? So you don't want to ever lose 16 games in the first month of a season, right? Is this just generally true? Um, and we've talked a lot about it going into the season that we you don't want to – like the, the losses in April count as much as the ones that, that happen in September, right? So in that sense, that's obviously bad. And, you know, the projection systems are probably right to start adjusting for the Braves down a bit uh, because the pitch – I mean, I am not worried about the offense. I'll just go ahead and just get that out there. Um, you know, Ronald Acuna is still Ronald Acuna. Even when he's not, like, torching everybody, he's still very good. Uh, and then he also just, you know, like, casually hits, like, these 200, like, these 480-foot bombs that, you know, I'm not sure have landed yet, and he just has these really good bats. He's just, he's been very good. And, you know, other guys are getting better. I, I don't see Freddie Freeman and Marcelo Zuna being kind of what they currently are, which is being completely unable to hit lefties and not being hitting righties particularly well either. So... You know, I just don't see them as those guys. Uh, are there some pieces in the lineup that maybe are a little bit concerning? Man, sure. I, I'll, I'll spot that. But the, the issue is the pitching. And the itch, issue is, you know, like, is this bullpen going to be something that's, you know, kind of be reliable, particularly for those, you know, those first guys out of the bullpen? Um, is it always just going to be this adventure where all of a sudden they give up three more runs? Uh, who, who in the rotation is actually currently healthy? Who is going to get healthy? Those are all reasonable questions that reasonable people should be asking. Um because that's going to be the, something that I think could be the biggest problem long term. Uh, am I concerned? Sure. Uh, when a team's four games under 500, that's not a good place to be. But at the same time, no one in this division seems to be trying to run away with it. And this, I still think this team has the best upside out of all of them. So I, I still think that they're okay. Uh, they need to turn things around relatively quickly. Uh, this whole win three, lose four, win three, lose four thing probably has to stop sometime soon. 
Um, but you know, you're, you're, there are some, t- like, especially off- offensively, we're starting to see the turnarounds that we were hoping for. You hope that you know the guys getting back healthy in the rotation and in the bullpen that that starts helping turn things around there, um, and that they stop using some of the guys they have been using in the bullpen who have been pretty bad. Uh, which you know we're we're going to get to because there's certainly some fine examples of that happening over the course of the last week. Uh, overall, like again, it's concerning, sure, but at the same time, we're talking about a pretty small sample of a team that's been really good over the last three years. It's mostly the same core of uh, same core of guys. I, I still like this team, but there's certainly some things they're going to have to start going going right soon, particularly on the pitching side. Yeah, it's been maybe not great podcasting to agree with you on all of that, but I, I, I do. And we'll come back to it later on, later on as we talk about this week and beyond the standings and all that. But yeah, I think it's too early to panic, but some concern is warranted here. Uh, I'm, I'm not going to tell everybody to like, that everything's fine, look away. Like it's, you know, it's somewhere in the middle. I think you're in good shape as long as you do what you're supposed to do. But the pitching, uh, as, a, as a look ahead to later on in the podcast, the Braves currently have both the worst ERA and the most runs allowed in the National League. Uh, that isn't going to work. You have to fix that. Nope. The offense, to your point, has been much better. And uh, at this moment, as we record, the offense uh, leads the NL East in runs scored by a pretty comfortable margin. It's just that the pitching has been as bad as you could have possibly thought it would be so far. So that's where we'll start here. And I, I want to start off with the with the wins. So because last week Scott and I got into some big picture stuff, which was good, I think. But uh, I don't. I don't want to ignore the three wins the Braves did get this week. They won Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday in bounce back fashion. Uh, they scored four runs in the first inning on Monday, which was fun because of how bad Sunday was, which Scott and I talked about a lot last week. I have to ask you now before we get into this. Uh, Sunday was last last Sunday, I should say, the, the doubleheader uh, extravaganza of one hit. Was that yeah, like was that, that was that was that rock bottom? Uh, you have to assume it would be. Uh, but then they've, well, lost, they've lost they've lost four in a row now. But uh, uh, well, let, now let's be clear about rock bottom for right? the offense. This season, the, the offense. About say, for, all that and for the season, I'll buy that. I mean, I have been some through some pretty de- demoralizing stretches covering this team. Uh, Twenty sixteen comes to mind where it just felt like you know nothing. <laughs> like like there's the, there are some lineups that are being run out that you like. I look back and I'm like I don't even understand how I watched them. Right. So, um, and was, yes, it was it was obviously bad, uh, and Point. it certainly didn't. It, it certainly didn't. <laughs> it certainly felt as bad as the stat line looked. Uh, it didn't feel like that there was, you know, the, the, a lot of just rough at bats, just like a lot of just kind of giving up on at bats. Um, sure, I mean, like in terms of rock bottom for this season, I like in terms of just like being a demoralizing day of baseball, where like you know you <laughs> you get <laughs> you get you know you get bum gardnered, and which you know which got all the you know the local beat guys that have been lusting after Madison Bumgarner forever, uh, talking about him, and you know you just it was bad, and it, it certainly didn't feel awesome. But I've been very firmly on the when this team is bad right now, they're really bad. But I know this isn't who they are, so I'm I've been re, I have been retaining my this is kind of a small sample and a really rough stretch, but this isn't like the kind of the, what I think this team is. Uh, over the course of the season. So was it probably rock bottom for the season? I think so. Uh, there was a lot of injuries over the course of last week's that kind of like you know, are slowly demoralizing too. Oh, there's, but, there's one more to talk about today that we'll get into later on. It was like, yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, to, I think I agree with all of that. You, you know, it was good to see the offense wake up though from there because we spent a lot of time, I think justifiably last week on the podcast talking about how bad the offense had been. And then they come out and they score 23 runs in three games. They won eight to seven on Monday. Um, they won Monday 
despite giving up a Grand Slam, which is uh, not always what happens. <laughs> you give up a Grand Slam, you're usually going to lose. That's just kind of the rule yeah, of thumb. Usually, uh, usually it's a little rough. Yeah, uh, But Freddie hits up a three-run three-run homer in the fifth to sort of be the game winner. They scored four runs right away. Um, every starter had a hit except for Ronald Acuna, which is hilarious. Uh, of course, he walked twice because he's not human. But uh, yeah, and they also have no interest in pitching to him. Yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, it was just hilarious to like see that after the rest of the season so far. It was like, oh, everyone was great today except for the guy who's been uh, superhuman this year. But they won eight seven on Monday. Tuesday was uh, actually as ironic as this is. The Braves, as we just said, have the league's worst, at least the National League's worst pitching numbers. They threw back to back shutouts on Tuesday and Wednesday. <laughs> so um, yeah, so like that, that, that that's that's with two shutouts on their ledger. That with, yeah, in a small sample in theory should make it better. Yeah, but it's not been. Yeah. No, so Tuesday, I think the headliner was actually Ian Anderson. Um, Ian, he was great. Goes seven innings, one hit, one walk, eight strikeouts. He was absolutely lights out. He was not he was not as good in his most recent start, but Tuesday was like the reminder of what he can do in terms of what he's on and has it going. The Braves actually didn't score until the fifth inning of that game. And then, of course, Ronnie breaks out of his uh, one one day slump with a 481 foot home run. Just an absolute I, Titanic I, blast. <laughs> I, I, I like. I know that that's how that like how what the like the cameras do to kind of like project those. I might take the over on that one. Though. And, but I mean, like I mean, again, you know, it's kind of an imperfect thing, and you know, just eyeballing it doesn't make much sense either. But that ball was crushed, uh, like just absolutely destroyed. And you know, when he gets a hold of one like that, those are those are those are fun ones. Yeah, that was uh, nice to see. And you know, again, Anderson was awesome. So that's kind of the headliner. And then Wednesday. They just did everything right. Um, they win three Favorite in a row. game of the week. Not yeah, I mean, ten nothing. They win three in a row um, to get back to five hundred for the season. They hit five home runs. They hit two in the first inning from Austin Riley, who's been awesome lately. We'll come back to him later on. And Marcelo Zuna, and then Enoa bombs. That, this, that's the one. It cracks me up. He has like the, I think it's the last two or three games when he's been batting, he's just been hitting the snot out of the ball. Yeah, which is funny because he has like an ugly swing. Uh, Snicker talked about how, like, when they were doing, like, soft toss, soft toss, like, batting practice, like, he was, like, missing, like, swinging and missing, and, like, they were, like, like genuinely worried, like, that he could, like, you know, it be, could be really bad if he's trying to hit, <laughs> and, like, he's, like, roping doubles, and, like, he hits a line drive home run into the bullpen, uh, they're, like, guys who have been in the lineup with some amount of regularity who haven't hit a ball that hard, um, all year, like, that, that one was a favorite, and, uh, you know, uh, you know, he has the one, had one rough start, but, Honestly, like for a pitching staff that has really struggled, like hat ha- tips to him because Wascar has been really, really good. Uh, I still am skeptical that he sticks as a starter long term, but as long as that two pitch mix seems to keep fooling people for five, six innings a night and getting all these strikeouts, uh, and you know, if add a bonus that you know he can provide his own offense, you know, you know, shouts to him because you know he's he's been on quite the run. Yeah, the encouraging thing, you know, you mentioned the one blow up start, but even with that, he has a two point nine six ERA for the season. And my encouraging thing for Inoa is he's not walking anybody. He has about a five nope, and a half to man, one. Yeah, yeah the man's been good. It's been, uh, you know, it's it's only six appearances, five starts. So you don't want to go overboard. The home runs have been a little bit high, for instance. But um, he's been a godsend um, on a number of levels. So the batting has been hilarious. Scott and I talked about his base running on the last podcast, which was <laughs> in big quotation. Marks. Quite funny. <laughs> um, but, you know, coming into Wednesday, the Braves were pretty big underdogs because it was Enoa against Kyle Hendricks, who was the Cubs best pitcher, and they just teed off on him. They had 10 runs in the first six innings. Um, Riley, Freeman, and um, Albies all had three-plus hits in the game. So, like, that was a fun one. They were kind of 
getting the mojo back, it felt like. And uh, honestly, I said this to you before we started recording, but Wednesday night into Thursday morning, I was like, all right, maybe a pretty positive podcast this week. Famous last words, I guess. Yeah, I know. I mean, you know, look, I don't know why this team is, is streaky, particularly the way they are. You know, like, it's just like, you know, like, it, it's it's very much like, you know, three and then four and then three and then four. I don't, I, it's hard for me to understand kind of why it's happening. Um, and I, I wish I had a better handle on that. But, you know, again, there, there are certainly some signs this week where, uh, and really all throughout this week, it seems fair, is that the, the offense has been significantly better this week. And that's something that you can take into even through into the weekend is that the offense has been better. Um, yeah. Now, you know, speaking of a game that, you know, they won a game where they gave up a grand slam, but they also managed to lose one where they hit one. So it's, a lot, again, a lot of weirdness about kind of how these games are going. Um, their, their inability to, you know, win games in extra innings is still bizarre, but... You know, I, I, for just kind of an overall takeaway before we kind of get into those weekend games is, you know, why they were uh, kind of dumpster fires in their own individual rights, each one of them. Um, you know, one thing I will say about the whole week is that it, the offense has certainly seemed better overall. Yeah, I, I would agree. And we'll, we'll leave that positive note here in the air for a second before we get to a break. So uh, stay tuned. We'll be, we'll be right back with uh, some very rosy talk about Thursday through Sunday and beyond. So hold on tight. We'll be right back. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity. But giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's Insight Assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time, The Roast of Tom Brady, a Netflix live event happening May 5th Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. All right, Eric, let us get into the four-game losing streak. Let's get toxic. I'm ready. Uh, uh, Okay, so Thursday, they lose 9-3. On Thursday, Bryce Wilson, not, not, a, not a great, great start. He was he boxed in a run in the first inning, kind that, of, strangely. Um, he gave up four yeah. runs and eight base runners in three innings. Uh, you know, he was kind of billed as the opener. It wasn't like a full-fledged start, even though he did start. But he was not great. And then both Tomlin and Jones gave, gave it two runs each. They're down 8-2 to two by the seventh inning. The one bright spot was Austin Riley, who had another good game. I pulled this stat now, and honestly, he hasn't even slowed down. But in the eight games... This is one positive from this night. Uh, in the eight games there for Riley, including Thursday, he had a 1.543 OPS. So a 15.43 OPS in eight games. Now, Riley, 
famously had the uh, the scalding hot streak when he first came up. But the, other than that streak, this is the best eight game run, ten game run of his career. So I know we've poked fun at Scott. I know I poked fun at Scott last week on the podcast for this, and Scott, you know, definitely owned it. But we're all hoping Riley is going to continue to rake. And honestly, he's been incredible for like I don't know a week and a half now, two weeks almost. So fingers crossed on that because. Uh, to your point about the offense earlier, like he's a big part of why they're coming alive because you can't just have everything go on Ronnie and Freddie. Um, but between Riley and Ozzy Albies, those guys are basically, you know, doing a lot to spark the offense now. I, I actually want to ask this because I get asked this. I've been asked this quite a bit this week. But given how things have been happening, and I, I guess I don't even know where to start because it's a, it's a weird topic because of the hitters we're talking about. Would you consider lineup changes at all like uh, in terms yeah of... i'm glad you asked this question because i've seen on twitter i'm sure you have too there's been a lot of discussion about riley staying so low in the lineup with the way he's hitting that's one thing uh you know i have a hard time arguing for dansby ahead of austin riley right now in the lineup yeah yeah, yeah like the, the, that that's the that's the move that seems the yeah. one to make the most sense and I, I, but honestly we're not, i'm not too reactionary honestly i, I try not to be especially with the lineup I tend to go with um, like history slash like what their real baseline is most of the time, but it's really hard to look at the lineup after the last week and a half, two weeks and see Riley hit eighth today or whatever he hit. It was like, all right, that's seems a little bit. And I, again, I actually applaud on some level Snicker for not overreacting and having him hit fifth, just like right, right away. But it's just a little bit interesting to see that. Yeah. And again, like it's, it's a weird situation because, you see kind of guys who are coming out of it and you want to get those guys at bats, but you know, like, you know, Freddie has like had a, he's had a bit of a rut over like the last week or so, like in terms of offensively, other than he had like a good game early, uh, a couple games early in the week, but he's also kind of like been in this, like, you know, like five game skid. And, you know, he's had, he had some really rough at bats uh, over the last couple days. And, you know, you see Ozuna who hasn't really hit much this year at all. Um, you know, you, those guys, I still think belong, you know, two, three, because I think that those guys come out of it. But after you, after that, it seems a little bit more like a little bit more speculative. And when you have guys like Ozzy and, you know, Austin kind of really come and come out of their show, like, is that something that should be entertained? And I, I think that the obvious move is to move Dansby down a bit because not only has Austin been raking, but Dansby has very not. Yes. Um, and, uh, you know, there's some other guys who have been, you know, struggling and one in particular that we're going to talk about when he was injured, uh, you know, that kind of that problem quote unquote took care of itself, uh, but kind of created its own separate problem. Um, it's you know in in Darno, so I'm. It's it's an interesting problem to solve, I think, because again, you gotta want when you're when you're struggling, you want to kind of maximize what you have going for you. But I'm not sure if necessarily like messing with Freddie Freeman and uh, Marcelo Zuna, who I think I am comfortable saying, you know, along with Ronald Cunha, are your three best hitters on your team. Uh, beyond that, though, like I could see some kind of weird lineups, you know, with Austin and maybe even Ozzy kind of getting switched around, moved around, depending on what, you know, what pitchers are going that they're going up against and, you know, what they think would work and just kind of trying to get something else going and just maximizing things because, you know, this is the team kind of looking for answers right now. Yeah, I think that, you know, so on the positive side, you could say with Dansby, he had three multi-hit games this week. That's a positive. He also had a bunch of offers in the middle of the week. So it's like pros and cons. And I think both can be true between Dansby's better than this and also we don't know how good Dansby is. Those are those are both kind of Yeah, like, he does not he, he does not have the track record 
in no. the past to make you go, you know, tr- just trust us, you know, Dansby needs to be batting fifth every Right, game. especially, yeah. like, to your point about Ozuna, especially, you know, Freddie's Freddie, he's not going anywhere, and he's, even when he's had kind of a slow start for him, he's still been, like, good. I think it's like 114 WRC plus, despite a quote unquote slow start. He's he's Freddie Freeman. He's fine. Ozuna is currently having the worst worst year of his career. Like no one should think that's real. Like right. we we'd said this right. before the season started, but Ozuna was not he was not going to repeat last year. He was going to have some regression, but not this. Like no one. I don't, I don't think anybody could look at Ozuna and assume this is real. So he should stay where he is too. I'm with you though. Like as long, especially the longer this goes, and you're hoping it does go longer between especially O'Reilly, if he stays that not not even this good but like pretty good for a while you gotta hit him a little higher than he's been hitting and Dansby right now is kind of unquestionably not great of course now you have multiple other options that you don't maybe love and we're gonna talk about Contreras later on I know I know you're excited about that on some level but you know well pop- yeah I mean it's, it's, in a certain respect I don't think the well obviously not 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 losing Arno but just Contreras might might hit. I mean, that's that's in that's in play. But on nights where like you know now you have Pache back, that's good. But his bat's a question mark for sure. And on a night when you might see Jeff Mathis, like he's got to hit eighth or ninth because we know what he is. So the lineup is like, you know, I think it's it's been better recently. I agree with you though. It's a question at the very least. You kind of need to if Riley continues this bump him up a little bit. I think I'd still trust Ozzy more in a vacuum than Austin Riley, which shouldn't be a hot take. Ozzy is like a borderline star, but uh, maybe have him hit fourth, fifth, along uh, with Riley. Uh, I don't know. We'll see. We'll see. I was about to say, because the, the lineups that are the most interesting to me with those two guys in particular are against lefties. What is your ideal lineup right now against the lefty? <sighs> I mean, both I mean, of those guys top, rake. Top, top, top. Yeah, so, so top three stays. Stop. Top three stay the same. Well, the top, I, I think that's. I think the top three stays the same. Um, yep. Against the lefty, I I, I still probably go Ozzy. I, I would say I, I would say Ozzy four, Riley five. I think. At yeah. this very moment, I like, mean, you, I'm on the same. I'm on the same page. Well, with you, well, you know? I mean, you, you think about the other. So from there, by the way, your, your other options you have Dansby, you have the catcher spot, and Pache. Um, that those three are the ones you just don't know what you're getting. Like we, we all are excited about Contreras' bat, but who knows at the major league level right now? I think he probably will hit a little bit, but those three have to be, I think, right now, you're six, seven, eight in the lineup in some order. And you're hoping Dan's be six, of course, because he has a little bit of a higher baseline. But yeah. it's, and it's and not I pretty. That, I think I think that in days when Contreras is I think Contreras bats like seventh and then Pache's pretty firmly eighth on days where Jeff Mathis isn't hitting. Yeah, Jeff Mathis is Jeff obviously Mathis. hitting eighth. If he's if he's ever playing starting, he's either hitting eighth or ninth. Like and, and ninth is and, obviously and, in a DH situation like it would have been this weekend uh, against Toronto, right. but yeah, he's he is unquestionably the worst hitter on the roster. I don't want to pile on Jeff Mathis. We'll come back to this later on. But yeah, you're hoping Dance gets out of this and then it becomes easy. Then you have a, a, your firm top 6 and then it's two spots you're talking about with Contreras and Pache or Mathis and Pache or whatever you want to say. So, but yeah, I agree. As long as Riley looks not even like this, but close to like this, he has to hit ahead of those guys just because of the talent level with a bat. Yeah. You would think. Agreed. So, and I said, as someone who's been skeptical of him in the past, and I think I still am more than some, but undeniably he's been awesome for like two weeks now. So hopefully that continues. Um, I guess we'll get into, uh, oh, by the way, just for some numbers before I forget to say this, Riley after today is up to a 146 WRC plus, 
Which, given where he was like two and a half weeks ago, he was like in the 50s. So he, I think he added almost 100 points at WRC Plus in two weeks, which is wow. His slash line 329, 431, 431. And uh, known plate disciplinarian. Austin Riley. I mean, that, that's he's, the crazy he's, one he's to me. Walk. He's getting hit by a bunch of pitches too, man. Like that, that I, I cringe every time now. Cause like when he's one of the better hitters on the team and like, you know, he gets drilled by something. I'm like, please just not another injury. Well, the, like, just, yeah, agreed for sure. But the, the crazy one is the on base because the slugging isn't even out of this world. Like the, the book on Riley is that he's this big power guy that has some other holes. So you would expect him to have this big ISO when he's hot and he kind of hasn't like, the power's fine. To, to be to be fair, he started off with nothing in the power department. Like oh, actual I agree. Nothing. I agree like, but like, it's, it's just kind like of funny to see was... that line and just be like, "Oh, he's he's got a little power." But if, if all you saw was his numbers and didn't know what Austin Riley was for this year, you'd be like, "All right, this guy's got a little bit of pop, not not a huge power guy," <laughs> which is the opposite. No, of I, mean, I mean, I mean, you're right. And then you know, all of a sudden he, you know, that the one that he hit to like dead center from like a ball that was like four inches oh, off yeah. the ground or whatever. I was like, okay. He's, yeah, a, he's, okay. Uh, he's a big, strong, he he's a big, strong individual. But yeah, yes. that's his numbers look great. Ozzy's now been hot. He's up to 111 WRC plus. He also had a pretty low line before this. So again, the offense has been fine um, and much better lately. So now we get into the weekend. Um, a little, little less positivity in this segment. Um, so Heredia... A little bit, yeah. Heredia gets hurt. Um, he actually, we didn't know he was no. hurt, but he, he sat Friday. They actually played a Cunha in center. And Adrian's and Wright on Friday, and then after that they put Heredi on the on the IL and brought Pache back up. So we we know now that Pache is going to be the guy until he gets hurt or doesn't, um, or you know flames out or something like that. But he's he's the guy in center now. Um, Snicker did say that he's willing to play Cunha in center, but doesn't want to play him there all the time, which we've heard. But he said it again, so that's out there. Um, Drew Smiley, let us spend a moment on Drew yeah. Smiley. Uh, yeah, we, we maybe a, a couple moments. Yeah. That's a... So l- last week. I didn't like defend Drew Smiley, but I tried to like call off the dogs a little bit just because it was a small sample size. And uh, he had a, he had a better ERA through three starts than Max Fried did through three starts. So I wanted to point that out and kind of damp it down a little bit. And then he came out on Friday and was horrendous again. So I don't, I don't have a justification here. 11 base runners and only 12 outs. That's a bad combination. Uh, Three home runs. He's not hard to do. He's now allowed nine home runs and 19 innings. Which is difficult to accomplish. Uh, so, I mean, you guys know how I feel about this. If you listen to this podcast regularly, you'll know that I'm not a big guy. I'm not a big like decide on this kind of sample guy. But it's hard to look at Drew Smiley and be encouraged. That's that's the kind of way that I'll put this right now. It's hard to look at that what he's done so far and think, oh, this is definitely going to turn around. Because is it possible that he becomes okay? I think it is. I, I don't think the ship has absolutely sailed, but it's it's been bad, man. It's been really bad, and you worry. Here's where my I'm thought about. He's look. He's like actively bad, right? Like it doesn't seem like you know he's getting like, like just bad, bad, but luck. Like the the contact is loud. His command has been bad, um, and you know he just like it's hard to find much that's encouraging. You know he's we're not seeing kind of like strikeout numbers that make you go. You know he could just you know maybe tweak some things and turn things around, and you know all of a sudden he could you know put together some uh, some some quality starts for this team. Since he had to miss that start, I worry a bit. And emphasis on a bit. And I will go ahead and say now, I did really like the Drew Smiley signing, despite his injury history. Because again, one year one year deals, maybe you pay a little bit overpay a little bit on a one year deal to get the guy that you think has the most upside 
in kind of where you're where you're budgeting for uh, that rotation spot, right? And I, I didn't have a problem with it. I, I I liked the gamble, but this guy does have an injury history. Yep. Of arm trouble, and he's already missed a start this month with some arm trouble. Now they ran him right back out there, like, oh, well, he'll miss one start and he'll be fine, right? Whatever this is is not fine. And I wonder a bit if that there's some issues with his arm that are unresolved, that are tamping down his stuff, affecting his command, and that explains at least some of what we're seeing. And if that's the case, I mean, ultimately that kind of depends on what the injury is. Um, you know, if he just ha- if he really does have, have some inflammation and like you know maybe after a couple weeks that that goes down, like he he has stuff that's good enough and swinging this stuff that is worth keeping around, but you can't just run the white flag out there every time that he starts. And it feels like every time he starts, the Braves can't win. Well, yeah, the, uh, it has to be a short leash now. I mean, we're, yeah. no one's, well, I, at least I'm not saying, I saw some questions and honestly, I understand, the, I understand the question. I saw a question, at least to me, that was like, do the Braves just consider cutting Drew Smiley? And I think the answer to that is no right now. Um, is it possible in three weeks that they could do that? Sure. Um, the money is spent, though. You owe the money. Um, and Smiley does profile as someone who could potentially be like a, a semi-interesting long reliever type. Like, they probably would try uh, that before they sure. just cut him. You know what I mean? They yeah. probably they probably would just say, all right, Drew, we're going to bail on this for now. Let's try to get you ready to go like a little bit more max effort and inning at a time and see if this works. Because he does have good stuff. But... I understand the question because he has been that bad in four starts. It is four starts. I mean, we don't like to panic about four starts, but I agree with you, though. It's not looking like there are a bunch of signs. The peripheral, the numbers don't look as bad as the eye test does. Like, his strikeout-to-walk ratio is not good, but it's not a disaster. Other than the home run numbers, like, everything else looks, like, reasonable compared to his previous baseline. It's just that the home run numbers do count, and he's not, he's missing badly, his velocity is fine, but it's a little bit lower than it was last year, where that was it was notably higher last year. That was something that was uh, encouraging when they signed him. That was like, oh, they and found some velo, and now it's not there anymore. Well, and the, and if the velo is lower and you're missing in the zone yeah, you versus miss missing out of the zone, yep. that's where your problem lies, right? Like exactly. if you lose a tick off your fastball and you don't mean to pipe it down the middle against what the Braves are up against in real major league hitters, like that – like that's not good, and it's yeah, it's I mean, a tough situation. The concern is, and we said this at, at anyone that we want to sign him. We said this at the time. Essentially, Smiley has had injury stuff, but when he's been pitching, he's only had one bad season in his career. When he's been pitching, it was 2019. 2019, he had the highest walk rate of his career, and he had by far the highest ERA. He was he was bad. He was below replacement level. He was terrible in 21 starts between two teams. Before that, it was injury stuff, but he was usually pretty good when he pitched. So that's kind of why, at least I thought, if he was healthy, he'd be pretty decent. The risk was the injury stuff. And right now, he might be hurt, to your point, but the combination of him actually making four starts in the month of April and still being this bad is not what I saw coming. <laughs> I thought he'd either be available and pretty good or not available. Or not. <laughs> or uh, not and he's, all, uh, it's, yeah. it's been the worst of both worlds because, you know, even for as shaky as guys like Kyle Wright and Bryce Wilson have been, they probably would have been better than this. <laughs> so, um, 
I don't know. We'll see what happens. I, I, I don't know. Bryce balking in that run. Yeah, Bryce was like, was, it, it was, it was, a, was a pretty triggering moment for me. It was bad. But listen, I understand everyone's venom on Drew Smiley. Like, I know we defended the move. I still defend the move. I, I, I'm i one of those guys that's like... I would have made the, it like... It's process over not, results. I get that. And yeah, no correct. one's going to like that answer right now through four terrible starts. And again, yeah. no one is saying he's been good. He's been terrible. No, no one is saying otherwise. I just think that the... And this is something I'll, I'll probably say every podcast... The nature of a one-year $11 million deal gets really overrated as terms of how damaging it could actually be. I guess the counterpoint would be, if we knew, and this is the point that Scott's made, and I, th- I think you have as well, Eric, is that if we knew what the payroll was going to be uh, when they signed the deal in November, we might not have liked the, the deal as much. That's, that's, that, <laughs> is a, that is a very, like, again, the, it's all in the context of the moves that you're making and kind of you know, like percentage of payroll, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and the, the point that I people keep tweeting me, like, look at what all these really good starters that got traded for in the offseason, the Braves didn't make those trades, you know, that, that sort of stuff. And, you know, for every, you know, one of those, like, you know, these trades for guys who, like, are names that people recognize, like, people are still wondering why Orlando Garcia isn't starting for the Braves right now. And it's because he was in a trade. You know what I mean? When it was it was a uh, it was you know very obviously kind of a, like a cleanup of the forty man roster move, right? And you know when a trade happens and a guy excels, those things kind of get amplified. But you know all those you know waiver claims and guys who you know used to be good but ended up just you know being washed again and are already out of jobs and things like that. Those are things that we forget about. It's people have a short memory, and unfortunately for in Smiley's case. You know, he doesn't have any good tape this year nope. to people to point to, to people to point to and go, maybe, you know, maybe he's that guy again. You know, he just had a couple, you know, a couple bad weeks. Like, it's, it's like there's not been a start where I'm like, he's looked good. Well, it's the bad combination, too, one. because last year and it was it was a combination of a small sample size last year and he was with the Giants. No one cared. So the numbers, we know what the numbers were. and They were incredible. Like the peripherals were good. good. The there were there was bad ball data that was good. Like. Everything that was from last year only, again, small sample size, was pretty good. But nobody saw that. Like, no one cares. I mean, Brace fans don't care about that. Um, so, yeah, it's we'll leave it here for now. It's just the leash has to be short now. I think they probably know that. Like, this is the same team that had that had Fulte throw one start last year before they parted ways with him. Parted ways with him so. And and the, the issue, too, is that with Bryce Wilson struggling, Kyle Wright struggling. Who else do you use? have got... <laughs> Well, that's just it. Is the guys are in minor league camp. They're not stretched. They're not even stretched out yet. Well, no, with, with because, no Soroka, like, you know, yeah. no Soroka. Thank God for Enoa because they'd be in a world of hurt without Enoa right now. But if you try to take Smiley out, yet yeah, to your point there, like, who do you want to th- throw? There's not a great internal option. Like, I would argue that's on, Ky- that's on the 40 man roster because, like, then you have to start, like, you know, is Kyle Muller ready, et cetera, et cetera. You know what I mean? Like, that, that, that's you, an important You can do that stuff, but I mean, yes. There's there's a little bit there's more machinations. I think what they would do is have Kyle Wright give it a shot first. Um, you could argue whether that's a good idea or not, but he's already he's around, and they would probably go there first. I would think. Right. Uh, but in and maybe he'd be better. Maybe I'm sure we. I'm not sure he'd probably be better than what the, what we've seen from Smiley so far. But um, all right, we'll leave it there for now. That's hideous. Um, so after the game Friday, that was the last game of the, that was the last game of the month of April, and at that point for the month. The Braves had a 4.97 team ERA. Worse than the National League. And it was not just the starters or the relievers. They were both bad. Starters, 5.12 ERA. Relievers, 4.76. So, That's not good. Uh, just I, to drive actually, our point home. 
<laughs> yeah, p- the pitching's been bad. I actually want to talk about a, a, a hitting matchup in particular because uh, this happened this week, and uh, we haven't. I can't believe I actually forgot it. Oh, what were your thoughts when you saw Anthony Rizzo strike out Frederick Fre- strike out Frederick Freeman? Did oh, that was this? funny. I, yeah, I should I should have written that down. I it was hysterically funny. That was funny, especially because in this, that was it was not the same game that they know hit the home run. I believe I believe it was. Um, so in, in the same game, you had Enoa hit a home run and Freeman strike out yep. against Anthony Rizzo. So that's like the most can't predict baseball moment of all time. Uh, it was just yep. funny. I mean, I saw a lot of like, ha-ha, Freddie Freeman stuff, which I, I understand. Like, Kang against Anthony Rizzo is not great. It's just a lot different than facing a regular pitcher. Like, I don't blame Freddie. Yeah, when, yeah, when the guy's throwing 60 and right. you're like trying not to laugh. It, was, I mean, yeah, <laughs> it didn't matter well, at all. Look, the game I was over. Watch... Like, yeah. I'm sure he wasn't dialed well, in, is what I'll say. What? Well, Watching Rizzo versus Freeman in anything, like the whole rundown thing too, where he was like, you know, Rizzo's like yelling, like mic up Rizzo every time they play against the Braves, because like it's going to be high comedy at least two or three times a game, at least. Uh, like I, I, I actually really, really enjoyed that whole thing. You know, it was in, it was in good, it was in good fun. Uh, I know that some people were kind of like making fun of Freddie for like, you know, they couldn't believe that, you know, an MVP struck out against Rizzo or whatever, but you know, like ultimately like that sort of, that sort of fun stuff uh, really kind of like <laughs> helps helps the levity. What's been a weird season, <laughs> to be yeah, sure. Go baseball. Uh, and I I, I, I did want to mention it because again, it was something that uh, I, I, I like probably of the whole week, other than you know hitting a home run, like it's probably a highlight for me. Uh, it was just that it was, it was like a really kind of a fun thing to happen. No, I'm glad you said that because I forgot. But you're, that's a good point. It was that was an enjoyable moment in a win, which also makes it nice. Um, all right, two more games to hit on quickly here. Saturday was a ten inning loss. And as referenced before, the Braves hit a grand slam. Pache, in his first plate appearance since April 13th, hits a grand slam in the first in the uh, second inning. But yep. they lost anyway. Too. They lost anyway. <laughs> um, yeah. The only other run of the day for the Braves was a solo home run by Ronald Acuna. And the pitching staff let them down a little bit. They didn't score in the 10th, which is kind of what, you know, you, with the new rules, you can, I don't want to do the whole argument now, but you, 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 you have to score, basically. The Braves have been in four extra inning games. They have not scored the extra runner, which is why you got you, you have to score. Like you, you can't. I mean, the baseline of giving yourself a chance is to get one run in in your extra inning frame now, and they just they can't for whatever reason can't do it. And Nate Jones actually almost got out of it. He got two outs, and then gave up the game winner to Grichik. So, uh, I guess the big thing from Saturday, unfortunately, is the injury to Travis Darno, which we'll talk about now. Um, he yeah. left the game with a left thumb injury. Um, he was then, um, basically, they, they, they put him on the 60-day IL right out of the gate. So that, that's always scary because 60-day IL is, you know, it goes without saying, but that's, that, that means you're gone for two months at a bare minimum. And at the time, though, they still announced that it was a sprain with his thumb. And then after the game on Sunday, um, Bryce Zicker said that it's a torn ligament for Darno in his thumb. So that's going to actually need surgery. He's not out for the season right now, but that is certainly a possible outcome from what I gather. But at a bare minimum now, he's definitely out two months and probably longer. That is obviously bad. He's not been good this year, but at the same time, he was awesome last year. Uh, He's a talented guy. The Braves needed him pretty badly. We talked about how important he was. And at the same time, they they put Alex Jackson on the IL too. And I I know Jackson has not hit and probably can't hit, but you lose both your catchers that are on on the team at the same time. So now you're left with Contreras and Jeff Mathis. Um, we'll pause now. Let's wait. Let's wait. Let's wait. Talk about Contreras and Mathis for a second. Let's just talk about Darno. Uh, how big of a loss is this? Because 
you know, it goes without saying, but this is a guy who was the best catcher in baseball, or at least one of the two or three best catchers in baseball last year, and now he's gone for several months. So he was a guy that I targeted coming into the year as a guy that was probably not going to meet the expert, meet the expectations that he put up last year. Uh, and I think that was just kind of like an impossible baseline. I just don't think he was going to be the guy that was going to, you know, like hit 300, hit a bunch of bombs and be like one of the best hitters in the lineup, batting cleanup or whatever. But he was, he was good. And more importantly, I think with this team is that he, he was the team that was managing the pitching staff. Now, admittedly, the pitching staff has been quite bad, but I do think that, you know, kind of disruptions like this with to your catching core, when you also lose Jackson, who again, he's been catching Enoa. And he's looked good doing so, uh, you know, at least behind the plate, you know, maybe not at it. He's he's looked really bad at the plate. But, you know, those are things that, like, you get concerned about a little bit, especially since it's not like your, you know, your pitchers have already been struggling. And now they're going to have to kind of get used to receiving from, uh, like, another catcher, another two catchers. Um, the one thing I like about Mathis, uh, Mathis was signed to a minor league deal. And I, considering Contreras was around and Jackson was around, I just didn't see him playing catcher in the major leagues this year. Um, and he's trying to cons- he's trying to transition to a coaching's position, right? So you know, all of a sudden he's up in the big leagues and he's going to start every now and again. The people who were t- tweeting at me saying that Jeff Mathis was going to be our starting catcher a lot, no, uh, like really need to kind of take a step back and understand that how stupid of a thing that they were saying. Well, that won't ha- it but, just won't happen. I mean, pra- practically, no, practically speaking, they're not going to have Contreras up and not play like if they, if they had yeah, gone to like play, somebody else then sure but Contreras gonna play now if now if Contreras gets hurt we're yeah. gonna get into some real weird situations but let's just not put that evil out there right now I'm gonna go ahead and knock on some wood right now yeah, do that but yeah um you know in Mathis's case he doesn't know the pit- pitching staff very well um just because he hasn't been around but kind of having your your catching platoon mate also be kind of like a really well-respected catching mind, uh, kind of has a coaching mindset already in place. Having that kind of guy for Contreras, I think, is a positive development. Um, you know, oh, yeah. the, under- the understanding is that Flowers is still kind of around helping the team in some sort of role. But, you know, and people were like talking about, go sign Flowers. And I'm like, I just don't I mean like signing like Tyler Flowers and Jeff Mathis aren't that appreciably different. Oh, in terms come of overall on. Okay. okay, hold on. Pause. Okay. Pause. No, you, uh, Pause. Uh, yes. That yeah, might be that might be true. I will just say this: there is no chance Jeff Mathis is going to hit. Tyler no. Flowers is not likely to hit if he were to play right now. But the bat is Defe- bad. The bat is De- bad. Defen- defensively, who would you prefer, Mathis? Or Probably Tyler Mathis because he's safer uh, because of the lack of you know run prevent. I'm not running prevention Let- kind of stuff. Now let's be clear in this discussion. Neither are going to be very valuable. No, uh, uh, totally and, agree. And, totally Flower, agree. And, Fla- and, and Flowers like is not actually playing. At least Mathis was like playing in minor league. He, he was right? around. <laughs> and, then, and honestly, to your, I, I want to back you up here. Mathis, it can't be overstated. There's a reason Mathis has been around for a long time, and it's not as bad. He's like yeah. kind of a legendary receiver slash you know game calling guy. You can laugh about maybe that's overrated, but the guy is 38. He's literally never hit. And he's still around nope. because except, everyone except, swears except, by him defensively, except against the Braves. He he, he did well, seem to constantly. I mean, <laughs> them him, him and pitchers. I don't I don't want I don't want to talk. I don't want to overstate it. But his career. This is his career. No, again, he's 38 years old. He's been around for a long, long time. He has yep, a career forever. 553 OPS. It's not good, Brad. 
in 3,000 plate appearances, Eric. This is not a small sample size guy. It's <laughs> a lot of plate appearances to give a guy with 46 yards. That's what I mean. I mean, do you know how good your ref has to be defensively to play as much as he has played and hit like this? So that means, he's 38 years that, old, that, so it might be over. Right. But, man, I mean, there's a rep, and then there's Jeff Mathis. Like, he's he's been a wonder for – even before the Brave stuff, he's like a – national baseball point of interest like podcasts that talk about weird stuff like effectively while like love jeff mathis there's stuff about this he's a very 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 outlier weird player so that's kind of fun in some ways but man he can't hit like he can't hit so no no it has to be Contreras. you know you obviously you can't play Contreras every single day nobody catches every day so you're gonna have to see jeff mathis catch every once in a while but um to your point there long long story short Contreras has to play a lot uh, he actually might be able to hit. And I want to ask you, because you are a prospect guy in the way that I am not, I know what kind of the book is on Contreras, but for people that don't know him, um, tell people what they can expect. Obviously, it's still a, he's basically a rookie, so you're you're trying to figure out what you're going to get from a rookie. Is that, that's always tough. But what's the profile like for him? So, uh, he's I mean, in, at the plate, he's a guy that has some power, uh, will kind of be more of a guy that hits hard doubles. Uh, and then, you know, kind of hitting for a bunch of home runs, you know, and he'll hit for a bit of average too. So, you know, like kind of like a, the type of guy, it's like, you know, like a 260 hitter and we'll hit some home runs, but we'll like, you know, we'll give you some extra base hits, uh, has pretty good pay, plate discipline. And he's, he is very, I would say he is good behind the plate. It's hard to call him like a great or like particularly gifted defensive catcher. Cause one, I don't think that that's something that he's really been tested at. Uh, in the minor leagues, you know, the guys aren't just really running in the minor leagues. And, you know, in terms of like picking guys off, he's not doing things like Shay Langoliers does where like he's picking guys off at first because, you know, these young guys just have no idea what they're doing. But he's a guy that moves well behind the plate, you know, is gotten better each year behind the plate, works at it. Um, and, you know, offensively, I think he will be a perfectly reasonable hitter, you know, and like in today's game, he had an RBI single and he, he drew a walk. And, you know, if you're getting that from your catcher, that's that's plenty. That is perfectly fine. Um, you know, and again, the concern I have is just kind of getting reps with the pitchers and under, you know, kind of understanding game calling and things like that. But that's the case with any young catcher. I don't think that any catcher comes up and like immediately has it all figured out from a game calling perspective. That's one thing that, you know, that's why veteran catchers like Mathis are so highly regarded is that not only do they understand how to deal with the pitchers they have, but they understand they, they've been around so long that they know how to pitch to guys and they can be a part of those game-playing discussions. And just in Contreras' case, he doesn't have that game experience against a lot of these guys. So uh, one thing, reason I like having Mathis around, he kind of like almost has like an assistant pitching coach type thing to it, is to kind of help with game planning, kind of help with understanding kind of how to manage his pitching staff. But, you know, I think he'll hit. I don't think, you know, it, since he is a rookie, you know, I, I'm not going to like put a, like a like a label to kind of what to expect average or OPS-wise or anything like that because, you know, ultimately you kind of prove that at the major league level but, you know, he's a guy that, like, we liked him better than Langleyers. Uh, we had him ranked one higher. But, you know, they were kind of in that same general tier. I, he's not going to be embarrassing in either af- aspect of the game. I feel comfortable saying that. Beyond that, you know, it, it's kind of wait and see. He's, look, at the end of the day, he was in minor league camp 24 hours ago. <laughs> and, you know, yeah, and now, now he's like, by the way, it's like yeah, now, hey, William, you're, you're the starter. Catcher. Yeah, yeah, you're the your primary catcher. I mean, he he basically just had to jump in to a really impossible situation, and you know he he helped score the Braves' first run of the game. So, you know, well, I'm and, not sure what else he he did. He did fine. Yeah, and for some from for some more background, you know, we both talked about this, and I know you have on Road to Atlanta and other places. 
the reason why Contreras was not on the big league club before today was not because he wasn't better than Alex Jackson. It was because they wanted him to play every day. Correct. Basically. Just to say that out loud. So Jackson, we kind of know can't hit at this point, but he was the backup catcher. And the backup catcher, there was no there was no reason. I think this is something I think you've said. I know I've said it. That there was no reason to have Contreras up playing one and a half times a week. That didn't make a lot of sense. Now that so, he's going to play five times a week, sure. Yeah, like he's, he's an yeah, obvious guy. He's the, you know, he you know he had 10 plate appearances last year in the major leagues. He was four of 10. Take whatever you will from that. But he's obviously very talented. I, I trust you and the minor league staff a lot more than myself on this, but he's a pretty highly regarded guy. He's 23. He's talented. Is he going to, is he likely to come up and, you know, have a 140 WRC plus? No, but he maybe could do that for a couple of weeks and plug the hole and, Honestly, this is an this is an injury. Not to be not to be too negative about it, but it wouldn't stun me if Darno didn't play this year again, based on what the way they were talking. Like I'm not saying it's definitely going to happen, but you need well, you, yeah, you, you need a, mean, you need ceiling guy. You, you need some guys who can like actually come in now, and conceivably, there's a world. Maybe I'm wrong, but you can correct me. There's a world in which Contreras is like an average starting catcher this season, and that would be a huge win based on the I, fact that you just lost Darno. I, I could see that. I mean, like, there's there's a chance that he's an above average guy. Like, he has to hit really hit to do that. And again, when when we're talking about rookies, it's just kind of that's a hard ask of any guy, right. uh, regardless of talent level. Uh, but you know, like that that's something that could happen. Uh, it's entirely possible we won't see Travis Darno play in a Braves uniform again. He's a free agent. Yeah, I mean, to your yeah, yeah I mean, that was I mean, I, and like I should have said that out loud, but you're right. I mean, this he's it was a two year deal. This is year two, so you have to have a plan long term. And Contreras was. I think always, I, mean, it's, I guess there's like a battle between Contreras and Langoliers as to who's going to be the guy of the future. Is that what people have kind of argued about in your circles? Like who's the guy between those two? Oh yeah, I mean, and you know, there's the defensive acumen in terms of like controlling a running game, and you know, like kind of the 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 skill set that Langoliers has behind the plate, which is a rare thing. But you know, he did, he didn't call his own games when he was in college, and you know, that's something that you, I am firmly believing that you need reps for to be good at. Um, and you know. Th- but I think that I would say most people think that Contreras' bat is better than Langlier's. Uh, and they, I certainly don't think that people think that Contreras is bad behind the plate. So it's it's very close, right? Now, to get back to the, the point that you were making is that, you know, the reason why that Contreras wasn't up was that he wasn't going to be playing enough. My point was that I would have put Contreras on the roster, but I also would have been playing – I would have been splitting time with Darno because I was just a little bit lower on Darno repeating what he did. I think that that experience would have been valuable for Contreras and also takes the wear and tear off of Darno kind of going into the postseason because he certainly, uh, you know, he certainly seemed after that Marlins series where he went wild, you know, he seemed like he was certainly pretty tired and, you know, he's not the youngest guy in the world. Now, I don't think his injury was a, like a wear and tear thing. I think that, you know, it's kind of a freak thing that happens on a play at the plate on his non-throwing hand. Uh, now, to get back to whether or not we'll see him again this year, the thing he does have going for him is that it is on his left thumb. Yes. You know what I mean? Um, if it was his throwing hand, you know, the rehab's a little bit different, but you know, he still has to bat and, you know, it just depends on how the rehab goes and all that. And if you're the Braves and Contreras is playing well, even if Darno's like recovery is going well, I mean, maybe you, you have to probably activate him, but I mean, like how much playing time are you going to take away from Contreras if he's playing well, if Darno comes back after a long, what's going to be a long layoff. I mean, getting put on the 60 day immediately means like he doesn't have like a slight tear in his thumb. Like it's like, you know, there, there's going to be a real repair that has to be done. I mean, and, I, I mean, conservatively you would say the earliest we'll see him is post all-star break. And that's just doing yeah. the 60 day math. 
you would imagine it's going to be like August. I mean, at the, I would say at the earliest. Based yeah. on what I read, I'm mean, again, we're, we're not, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know enough about. We don't. Like, we don't. One. We don't know the extent. <laughs> we don't know the extent of the, the 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 damage, which is an important consideration. And frankly, the Braves might not know all of it. Because, you know, there's probably a lot of swelling. I mean, like, that's probably one of the reasons why they just called it a sprain to begin with. I mean, like, they obviously know something severe is wrong. But to get it fixed, you know, like, sometimes you have to go in and, re- like, you know, maybe there's, like, maybe they, they find, like, there's a fracture there or something. Or there's more than one ligament tear. Or, you know, like, you know, there's more damage. They have to do a little more reconstruction. These are all things that happen when you go under the knife and you realize, you know, there's a really significant injury. We'll find, we'll probably find that out over the course of the next week or two is to kind of, you know, how, you know, how the surgery went and all yeah, that other they'll, stuff. Yeah, they'll start leaking stuff. And I, I know I agree with you, by the way, that it's the fact that it's his left thumb is much better. And it may not sound like a lot to have. It's just a th- you know, quote unquote, just a thumb. But like, think about trying to spring a bat without with a, without your left thumb. Like, you you can't you can't do it. <laughs> so or or receiving ninety eight mile an hour correct. catches with a sore thumb. So like, yeah. it's it's better it's better that it's his left thumb. But if you're a catcher and you have to try to hit for your living. It still really matters. Like I, I saw at least a couple people like, "Wow, this is a long time for a thumb sprain." It's like, well, uh, I mean, number one, it's not a sprain now; it's it's torn. But... Yeah. The, well, once once we saw sixty day IL, they just put some they put some sort of injury designation on it, but it was very clear that surgery was very much. All, yeah, all of us had the same reaction yeah. at the same time. It was like sixty day. You don't often see them go immediately to sixty day IL the next day. That's that's a red flag at a bare minimum to be like, okay, gonna be a while. Anyway, so Contreras, our hopes are high. Uh, I think he is a better option than most MLB clubs would have in this spot. Does that seem about oh, right to you? Like, mile, yeah. You know, you're losing a what I would say is projected to be like a top ten or twelve catcher in the league coming into the coming into the season at Arno. Even with some regression, this is a point that we uh, make all the time on this podcast. Catcher is the baseline's pretty low for catcher, so Darno is even cons- conservatively an above average catcher. Losing that guy and having Contreras ready to go um, and not be, like, we don't think he'll be overwhelmed is a pretty big luxury and a nice thing for the Braves to have. But it's still a loss. So the team is worse, than, the team is worse on paper than they were yesterday. That's, that's, that's unfortunate, obviously. And for Darno, I mean, he had this awesome year last year, couldn't cash in on it because he wasn't a free agent, and now he gets hurt in year two. That sucks. So hopefully he goes back later on and gets back. But... As far as the season is concerned, this hopefully won't sink the Braves. We think Contreras will be pretty good, so keep an eye out. Keep an eye out, and obviously, we'll talk about him more often. I think you guys have probably brought. I, I know for a fact, Road to Atlanta has discussed Contreras quite a bit in the. Uh, in the past. He has he has featured he has featured prominently in our conversations. Uh, you know, kind of this this week it's going to be kind of you know the minor leagues kind of opening back up is kind of a focus there. But it's time, know. it's time, Eric. Yeah, it's, it's time. time. I'm, I am I am so happy. You have no. Oh, it's. It's been way, way too long. I've been just getting all those, all the travel arrangements already starting to get lined up, and you know, media stuff, and it's just, it's. I'm so happy to be talking about minor league baseball again. It's, it's it, like <laughs> it's you coming. have no idea. It's no, I really mean, tough. and honestly, I'm looking forward to uh, reading and listening, even to all the content that's gonna be coming. So that's on the way. So just PSA for everybody: minor league baseball coming soon. Um, all right. Before we get out of here, we talked about this a little bit at the top, but even with the Braves at 12 and 16 two back in the NL East. Yep. So somehow as much as we have been relatively negative about the team, not too, not too, not too much negativity today, but it's pretty fortunate 
to be as bad as they've been and kind of have been snake bitten so far. And you look up on May 2nd into May 3rd and you're two back in the division. So part of that is a, a credit or a waste, maybe a not, maybe not a credit, a debit to the National League East for being brutal so far. But on the flip side, 538, it's only one, but they, they, they update in real time. They project the Braves at 82 and 80 right now, which is pretty low. Uh, I go over on that, I think, but I also understand it. Uh, I mean, I'm not even sure what, what, what the question is, Eric, but the Braves are two back to start May, and that feels manageable in a way that they probably don't deserve it to be manageable. Like, when you, you start 12 and 16, you're, you're almost supposed to be down like five games, and they're, only down, and they're only, only down by two. Yeah, I mean, it's been a weird season. I mean, like, if you look at the top of the standings across the league, there's a bunch of teams that, you know, frankly, no one thought was going to be there. I mean, the Kansas City Royals being, you know, a first-place baseball club is, you know, <laughs> go go Royals! Oh oh oh! Yeah. Great example of that, by the way. The Marlins currently lead the National League East in run differential, yep. comfortably, yep. and they're in last. Yep, yep, yep. Baseball, uh, we, we, you know, and like, look, the Braves have lost a lot of like they've lost four extra inning games. They've lost a bunch of one run games, and you know they haven't been as far off from being and putting together a pretty decent record as you know some would think. And I think that. For as much as has gone wrong for the Braves, like losing at times like a majority of their rotation and like half their lineup to injuries uh, and like other guys just not hitting or, you know, just not performing really well and not really having right handers out of the bullpen to speak of that have been particularly helpful. You know, it's that they're 12 and where they're at right now to get 12 wins is actually a little bit kind of remarkable in some ways. So I. This team's better than that. I, I would definitely go over on the 82 and 80. I think that, you know, maybe I have to adjust down expectations a little bit because they've, they've to be blunt, they've already banked 16 losses. You know what I mean? Like you could That's the well problem with. because even yeah. to get to 82 and 80, you know, not I know you know this, but if you do the simple math there, they have to go, you know, 72 and 50. No, what is it? 70, I'm trying to do the math in my head, and this is bad. Um, 72 and 64, yeah. Yeah, so like that. that's, that's not an incredible pace. But it's also eight games over 500. So you just do the math on 82 and 80 sounds really pessimistic, and I agree that it's pessimistic. But I also get why you would project that, given that the team is 12 and 16. So I go higher than that. But something that Scott and I talked about last week, but the problem with starting 12 and 16 is that you probably aren't going to win 98 games this year. Like that, or Some of those high-end outcomes are probably not on the table. I say probably. They're not definitely off the table. But... It's hard to get, certainly, it's hard it's to, certainly a lot harder. Yeah. And it's harder, and especially when the problems that you have on the pitching side, like some of it doesn't maybe doesn't look fluky, like in some respects, right? Like Soroka isn't going to be back until June. Like he's just not. Um, you know, he's, oh, no. he's throwing again. He's throwing again. That's great news. That's a positive sign, yes. Uh, and, you know, but, you know, when you have like, again, I, I haven't like, again, with guys like Minter and, Will Smith, those guys have looked good, but we also have like the you know when Sean Newcomb comes out and he can't seem to get an out to save his life. He oh, his, honestly, his, I'm, his, I'm appearance, s- his appearance today was so frustrating. Those two like the first two batters he faced in that inning, he got 0-2 after two pitches to both of them. The first guy somehow got an 11 pitch at bat and got on base, and the other guy Simeon hit a two run homer, and he just can't he can't he can't command his pitches, and. I'm so sad because you, finish, you, guys. It's... you know, you know, I'm, I've always been pro Newcomb in the bullpen and he had this awesome start and then he got hurt and it was like, oh man, he was, he was, he was figuring it out. 
well, and it was now, COVID, but and yeah. now he comes and <laughs> I, yeah, I mean, you know, hurt being out, but he comes back and it's, it's not, it's not going so well so far, but yeah, I, I agree. I mean, the pitching stuff to bring things full circle on this podcast is a concern. Uh, on the bright side, Max Freed scheduled to pitch on Wednesday. So that's hopefully, that's hopefully it's 2019 or 2020 Freed. Not, yeah, he was very bad pre-injury so that's worth saying out loud but they play the nationals for three games um after an off day on monday this is is starting tuesday they play the nationals three times we're not we're not a good baseball team they're not great although they win the the division right now (laughs) i I will i will die on that hill i think think they're better better than you think they are but yeah i I tend to agree with you generally um then three with philly so a full in at least week um and the stakes are rising with every passing day you know that that old adage of don't look at the standings until Memorial Day. Um, I encourage people to, to kind of do that right now. Uh, even even though we, even though we talked about it a lot on this podcast, like they've got some leeway here, and all you got to do this is not it's not always this easy, but if you go out and win five of these next six against at least opponents, you're feeling great. Or if you if, if you go four and two, like do, just do some work this week. On the flip side, you go one and five, and the sky is falling. So the stakes in divisional games against I would call them decent opponents. Uh, and rivals are high. Free coming back is huge, though. Like, it's this is very simple to say, but I'll say it anyway. The Atlanta Braves are not capable of winning the World Series this season if Max Freed is bad. That seems fair. That does seem fair. It's probably a little bit hot takey, but if if he's, if he's bad, bad, <laughs> yeah. Like, so then, I mean, yeah, it's gonna be very hard. Yeah. Yes, they have. Charlie Morton, who's been you know a little bit a little bit off and on, but I trust Charlie Morton. You f- hope Soroka comes back, um, and then he Noah's been a nice flash so far. All that stuff, you know, Anderson's been really good at times. I, I just think that a, me saying that was a way to just illustrate how important Max Fried is. They, they just cannot afford, on top of all their other issues with the pitching staff, they cannot afford Max Fried to either be out or bad. He has to be. Maybe not last year, Max Free, who was just like top five in Cy Young voting for part of the season, but like he has to be pretty, pretty good. Yeah, I mean, because the the you know you don't want to get in, you can already get in some skids as we've seen where your pitching is just really struggling for you know three or four days at a time. Well, the, the depth is not there. It's not there. Yeah, yeah. It's not there. yeah. I mean, you're talking yeah, about you Wright to, to... and Smiley and Wilson and again, God bless you, Noah. But we talked about this with Smiley. This is this is assuming Free was pitching. We were already having a trouble, quote unquote, quote unquote, replacing Smiley. If Free's not there, like it's dire. Like we're back to not quite last year because you still have Anderson and uh, Morton. That's helpful, but it starts to get to where you have three starters again. And last year they had one starter for half the season, but. It, they they need they, they need free to be good. and and, the, and probably the best bullpen in baseball. <laughs> well, and they don't have that anymore. Yeah, to your point. I mean, nope. they don't have that anymore. They they're actually. I think the I think the bullpen, in some circles, has been a little bit more maligned than it should have been. The bullpen's been like fine, not good, but that was the problem. We talked about this in the in the preseason. Not to judge it all up, but the concern is maybe the word that I'll use with the bullpen was that it was projected to be more like pretty good instead of awesome. And that's a big difference. Like yeah, they... and then and then they've had to go out and give regular appearances to Jesse Biddle and Nate Jones. Oh, Nate Jones! Who have not, no, who have no, not no one good. is enjoying Nate Jones. I mean, all, all respect no. to Nate Jones. Well, so no the, the, one's enjoying that right now. No one. 
And, and Luke Jackson is getting high leverage situations, which has not been good for my blood pressure whatsoever. Uh, he gets out of it more than he does, more than he doesn't. I completely understand that. But, you know, other than that George Springer home run that I'm not sure has landed yet. Um, That's yeah, like pretty, pretty, unlikely, pretty unlucky for the Braves to have George Springer come back um, for the first time this season against the Braves this weekend. That was unfortunate. He's pretty good. Yeah. Yeah. As a George <laughs> Springer fantasy manager, uh, it was nice to have him back, but not uh, not in this situation. Okay. Well, Eric, we've covered lots of ground. Uh, feel free to plug anything you want. I know we talked about it a second ago, but it's worth emphasizing once again, minor league baseball is coming very, very soon. And yes. we have all kinds of written content I know coming in addition to the podcast that shares this feed, Road to Atlanta. So please plug all of that and whatever else you want. I will happily do so. Uh, so a quick note this year, uh, one big change is that there are no games on Monday nights throughout the minor leagues this year. So there's no recaps going up on Tuesday mornings as a result. So what we're doing instead is I have to ask you that, why, by the way. Do you know why? Because I, I don't. I, I, I think it was. I, I think know. it was just a combination of making travel more consistent across the board with oh, some okay. weird divisional alignments. Sure. Uh, and just kind of just lining up the like you know call up days and you know things like that. I, I think it was some considerations maybe with like health and safety protocols, like you know like having a consistent this is the day where we clean type stuff. Gotcha. Uh, I, 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 the short answer is I think there's a lot of factors that went into it, uh, and I I don't hate it if it's kind of uniform. You know what I mean? If it's like you know like one team constantly has the same days off and oh, others yeah. you know don't, but it you know I, to have that built-in day off maybe that allows them to do some other things with scheduling if there's rainouts et cetera et cetera make up games, uh, especially if like there's like you know like COVID outbreaks and things like that. So, but the short answer is that every Tuesday morning. Our own Wayne Cavati is going to be doing a week ahead type post where we're going to kind of like, you know, these are the, the the pitching matchups that you're really going to be wanting to watch. These are kind of the, the things to kind of be looking out for in terms of trending new prospects and things like that. He's really excited to be able to write, to write that. Uh, he, he claimed the, the Monday night uh, recaps, uh, and then we remembered that, you know, this that scheduling wrinkle had happened. So he's actually pretty excited <laughs> to kind of do something a little bit different. Um, also, our own Garrett Spain is currently working on minor league baseball roster previews. Uh, been a little bit difficult considering that the Braves have been one of the last teams to release their minor league rosters. But uh, through some finagling and, you know, basically berating people in the organization. Reporting. I some yeah, so a little bit of reporting is to kind of what we can expect for uh, rosters. Uh, by the way, for our listeners out there, you may want to be watching the Rome Braves play this year. Uh, that, uh, from what we know so far, that's going to be a really fun roster to watch. Uh, I am going to be going to Augusta, the Braves' newest affiliate, on Wednesday for their opening series. Uh, not their opening uh, opening night. This, this, frankly, the crowd's going to be a little bit too nuts for me. Uh, even if I wasn't concerned too much about the health and safety stuff, that's just too many people to deal with. So if you're in the Augusta area and you're a listener and you happen to be going to that game, you know, make sure you shoot me a tweet and I might come say hi. Um, so that's going to be kind of my trip. I know that uh, there's some talk of maybe one of the guys going to Gwinnett uh, at some point uh, soon. I'm going to be going to Rome as soon as they're they, they as soon as they're back in town. They're on the road. Uh, recaps are going to be going up, so you're going to have roster previews. You're going to have the kind of the week ahead posts. Uh, road to Atlanta will be happening. I'm kind of want to once we actually have rosters, we'll, be, we'll record that. Um, it'll that'll be sometime this week. Uh, I have a podcast uh, with one Matt Chernoff that is going up tomorrow. That is when we talk about prospects, so you can kind of get a little bit of some of my thoughts going into the season there as well. Uh, recaps are starting to going up. Uh, I'm really looking forward to those. That first blast of comments from readers. Uh, the, every time that there's uh, the first recap of the year, it seems like people are really excited to kind of get to seeing those again because those were kind of like staple posts for Talking Chop for the first five years I was here, and you know, last year not being around, it's been frankly kind of heartbreaking to not have those up each each day. So uh, a little bit of a different look this year with only four four affiliates throughout the entire year. 
Uh, there's certainly going to be some changes, but we're really happy to kind of get back at it because minor league baseball is kind of built into my DNA as to kind of how to cover the team and what I enjoy most about baseball. So really kind of excited to kind of get back out of the fields, you know, following guys and kind of actually seeing some actual development rather than just kind of guessing and hoping we can kind of figure out what's going on with guys. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. I, you know, I've always said this, but I, I'm not a huge consumer of minor league baseball in terms of actually watching it. I just don't have time. So I rely heavily on you guys to do the work for me and teach me stuff, which I always appreciate. And I know a lot of people have that same relationship that rely on Talkie Chop to learn lots of stuff about prospects. And there are other places that do this. Like, you know, David Lee's been awesome. And there, there are other people to, that, that do this. But I uh, I trust you guys. And I think it's, I speak for the more casual minor league fan when I say it's an invaluable resource. So check out all that stuff. I am hugely biased for sure. But it's it really is awesome to have those recaps in a, in a concise place in one, in one way. And also the podcast, Road to Atlanta. A little bit more room for you guys to spread out, spread your wings, and argue a little bit. You know, Garav, the takesman that he is, all kinds of stuff. <laughs> the the takesman, yeah, the takesman yeah. that he is, and there's all it's, it's it's a fun show. So, and by the way, two podcasts for the price of one, and that price is zero dollars on the same feed. Zero dollars. So if you're a first time listener, go ahead and subscribe. You'll get this show with me and either Scott or Eric or both most of the time, and then same feed, Road to Atlanta, minor league stuff, and uh, fun to be had by all. So thank you, Eric, for joining me on the show this evening and our first podcast of may it's always fun to talk to you it is yep absolutely and make sure that you're sending your tweets about how well austin riley's doing to scott coleman 55 yes please please add I think scott he, for all riley content because scott's a good actually, sport and uh, he's I, this, enjoying I, it now but uh it's fun yeah i actually do want to test this all of our uh, listeners uh-oh. please just send the tweet to scott of what Austin Riley's current WRC plus is, and where it ranks amongst th- um, where it ranks amongst third baseman in baseball right now. We said it earlier. First, we said it earlier, so that's, that's out there. Um, yeah, it's out there, and it's easy to look up. I want to see how many people tweet at it, uh, and I want to see how long it takes for him to figure out why people are doing that repeatedly over and over again. Uh, and you know, feel free to tag me if you. Eric has. Uh, Eric's turned this into basically the equivalent of uh, me trying to trade Ozzy Albies for Scott. That's yeah. essentially what's going yeah. on here. Uh, we all have our takes that we put out there in the world um, for, for whatever reason, and uh, this one is one for Scott. He's just gonna have to enjoy it for a while. It's like whatever Marquez. I know like, I what, am. Whatever Marquez would, would like do anything at all, I'd get ten tweets for like two years, basically, and that's what we're gonna be with, with yeah. Riley. It's, it's what's gonna happen. Yeah. That's fine. I think Scott will hey, take I, it. In I, earnest. I picked Ross, I picked Riley as my breakout candidate. I'm feeling pretty good about my position. Congrats to you. He's been awesome for like the last two yeah. weeks, and hopefully that continues. Oh, well, it, did, it didn't look so good those first couple weeks. I'm just gonna be no, honest. No, it, it did not. <laughs> no. And that's that's the funny thing about this. Like, you know, I don't think anything we said was like too irresponsible. It just, uh, it just, he's got a hot now, which is good. And uh, weird. at the Baseball end of the day, fun. we're all rooting for the team to do well. So uh, even when we're even when we're wrong, I will happily be wrong about a, about a, about a take if it means the Braves are playing well. I'm, I'm good with that. Yep, 100%. Couldn't be more. All right, folks. Subscribe to the show. Um, Follow Eric on Twitter machine at Leprechaun. Follow me if you like Atlanta Hawks takes at BT Roland. And we'll see you all. All the Atlanta Hawks takes. (laughs) All the Atlanta Hawks takes. All right, folks. We'll see you next time.